you have your Bible with you today, let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to continue today with part 5, or we could say round 5, of the new series called Fight Training. Are you ready to fight? Do you have a fight within you? Something we all need. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want you to notice with me in the 12th verse, Paul writes here to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Praise God. So it's biblical then, it's scriptural for us to be fighters. Yeah? Now the type of fight is essential. It's not a flesh fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, as the scripture says. Uh, we're fighting a faith fight. It's not a sword fight. It's not a fist fight. It is a faith fight. But, but, but why, why must we fight? Why must this, at least part of the Christian life, be described as a fight or a faith fight? Well, if there's no one coming against me, I don't have any reason to fight. If there's no adversary, if there's no opposition, there's no fight, right? If the boxer shows up to the ring and he's the only one there, there's no fight. But the, the reality of, of, of our lives is there is opposition. There is an adversary. You, you might recall 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It reads, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? Goes on to say, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So we do have an adversary, the devil. What, what's he doing? He's walking about. He's, uh, he, he's roaming. He's looking for opportunities. Where? In our lives. He's looking for devouring opportunities. Okay? Say, well, I mean, isn't that kind of up to God? No, no. Well, we wouldn't even need that verse if it were up to God. That verse is given so we know, so we're aware, so we're prepared, so that we give him no place, so that we do not leave cracks in our life and open opportunities for him to get in and do some devouring. Okay, devouring would be what Jesus described in John 10, 10, stealing, killing, destroying, right? He's trying to take people out. That's very real. That's real no matter who you are, no matter your background or how much you love God or how faithful you are. There's still a devourer. Right. Say, I don't want that to be the case. Well, you should giddy up and move on to heaven then. There's no devourer there, right? While we're here, this is just reality, so we can turn a blind eye to it, or we can wise up and say, okay, if this exists, if we kind of live in the jungle, so to speak, I should be aware of jungle animals. I should be aware of snakes and tigers and things that exist. In this case, I should be aware, be aware of the devourer. What, what's the language used? He, he said, in order to be ready, you should be sober and vigilant. Have a sober mentality about this. Right? Not, not an intoxicated one. Right? How many of you know when the, when the intoxicated driver gets on the road, you want to stay away? Because they're not going to make good judgments. They're not going to see things. They're going to react 
uh, slowly and, and they're likely going to cause a lot of problems. Stay away from the person who's don't, who is not sober. Yeah, in certain situations, or most all situations. Uh, I don't believe this is necessarily talking about intoxication, but rather a soberness of mind. Think in a sound way. Don't be, don't be deceived and be, uh, you know, blinded to reality. There is a devourer. Okay? Be vigilant. Keep your eyes open. Watch out because he's trying to get into your family. For married people, he's trying to get in between the husband and wife. Put a little, you know, div divisiveness there, a wedge between them. He's trying to break parents and kids and, and cause strife in the workplace. He's trying to hit your health, trying to get into your finances. He's looking for every opportunity. All I need to do is be aware of that. If I'm just sober about it and say, yeah, that's real. Why? Because if I'm attacked, I'm not caught off guard. I'm not surprised. I'm not saying, Lord, why in the world did this happen? <laughs> you have an adversary. He hates you. <laughs> he will try to ruin your life. Do what I've instructed and you can withstand all these temptations and trials. Amen. So we fight because we have an adversary. And that's very real. So we're prepared. And that's why we're having fight training. Praise God. One of the ways that he gets to people is by trying to wear them down. Battle after battle, you know, fight, you know, slug after slug, trying to hit people to where they stop believing. They stop standing. They give up their position, if you will. And, and through time to wear them down. I would imagine there are probably some people here today that uh, if you didn't have some good things working in you, some, some fight in you, if you will, you wouldn't be here today. You would have died some time ago. But there was enough strength inwardly for you to fend off the eventual demise of your own life. Some have fought for marriage, for their marriage, and it's still you know, strong today or strong again. Why? Because there was enough in you that says, I'm not going to cave. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to let the devourer eat up my, that part of my life. Amen. All right. And say, well, I know some people who did lose this or that. Well, could very well be the reason is they didn't have enough of that in them. They lost their faith fight. They got in, into a situation where they no longer believed they, they could uh, but the enemy tries to use weariness, continual blows, and so we lose the fight inwardly. When you lose it inwardly, you're going to eventually lose it on the outside. Here's something to remember, though. Uh, if you're a believer, there is something inward in you. It's, a, it's, a, it's called a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love. But when you read in Galatians 5.22, it extrapolates that even further. And, it's, and one of those descriptions is the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Or you could say, some translations will put their patience. So if you're a believer, you have that on the inside of you. You have that ability. What ability? To do what you're doing today and tomorrow. And next week and next month and, next, and six months and a year from now and five years from now and ten years from now. So basically when you realize that's there, you yield yourself to it, you're impervious to the, to the weariness of the, the enemy's attacks. Why? Because he can hit you today, he can hit you tomorrow, and you, it's, you don't even move. 
I've got this, this constancy in, in me, this ability to be consistent, to stand, to never waver. Right? So I don't know if I have that. You do. You might not have been yielding to it, or you might have been told that you don't have it. People go around saying, well, I just, uh, I just need patience. I, I just struggle in that area. Stop saying you struggle and start saying that's my, that's my nature. If you're born again, your spirit produces patience, produces long-suffering. It's, it's the natural part of who you are. You are good at standing. You are good at continuing. You are good at being consistent, being faithful for long-term. Anyone can, can take a, a, you know, can win a fight if it only takes one swing and it's done. Every time attack, every time anything hard comes against your life, you just say no and it's done instantly. Well, if you're like me, not all, not all battles have been won that quick. Not everything is that easy, and it requires some standing power. At the same time, just like we have this fruit of the Spirit, Satan doesn't. He doesn't have fruit of the Spirit. The dude's ugly, and he's mean, and he's a wimp. One day we're all going to laugh at him. We might want to start now. One day we'll all see him and say, what? You've got to be kidding me. That is the dude that destroyed nations, deceived nations, that little, sheesh. But if we get the picture now of God mighty and big inside of us and us as his children, children, faith children of a faith God, come on, then, then we can say, I can handle anything. I can take anything that comes against me. Yeah, you can. Satan can't. He'll get, he'll, he's the one growing weary. He's the one saying, oh no, now they know that they don't have to give in. Now they realize they don't have to give up, that my punch is getting weaker and theirs is getting stronger. That's reality. That belief tied into reality of who we are in Christ will give us the victory. Praise God. And so why do we fight? Why, do we, why is it even necessary? Well, it's because Things that belong to us, someone's trying to take. There are many uh, inherent possessions of a, of a true child of God. They're all the promises. It's everything related to the covenant. It's everything from, from abundance and prosperity to peace and, and emotional well-being to unity within the home. There, there are so many blessings of God's peace and His healing power. It's, it's all there. It belongs to the believer. That doesn't mean that all of them enjoy it because there's a devourer trying to take it away. Why would you, why would you fight off an intruder in your home? Well, because your home is not his or hers, you know. Your, your, the stuff there doesn't belong to them. Your family is not their family, it's yours. So if someone tries to intrude on your home, you are going to do whatever is in your power to fend off that aggressor. And you ought to. Some things are worth fighting for. You know, it's like our country. Our country is worth fighting for. And many people have fought for it. We wouldn't have what we have today if it weren't for many people even giving their lives for the defense of our land. Because other countries tried to take it away from us. Right? And we have to decide in our lives, uh, not just on a physical side, but a spiritual side. What, what is worth the fight? What am I going to stand up for and, 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 and make sure it's not taken away from me or my family? 
Now, now, the faith fight does not ensure that there will be no conflict. But what it does ensure is victory. It ensures that we win. We have God's backing to know that our fight is to believe in Him, in His power, in His ability, in His wisdom. And by this, we overcome. I was reminded of a, of a verse over in the Proverbs from the Amplified Bible. It's, it's 18, verse 14. Uh, or as Pastor Bill would say, 1814. Uh, <laughs> it reads, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. What, what sustains him? The strong spirit sustains. So if we focus on being strong spiritually, we overcome bodily pain. How many know bodily pain is one of those things that can kind of wear you down? Right? You, you, you hurt enough, you don't, you don't want to fight. I understand that. That's, real. That's why some people have gone to heaven early. It hurt so bad they gave up. But what's our focus? A strong spirit will sustain us. Being strong inwardly, that's what the enemy's after. He's after you, your strength, your, your, your inward condition, your faith. Because if he can take that, then you're likely going to lose your will. All right, people lose their will to live and then they go. So if our, uh, our, our focus, you know, people will focus on being strong physically and they work out and, and that's fine and, and, and good. A, a better thing, a more important thing is to be strong spiritually to maintain that type of strength, and then we'll be able to handle any kind of pressure that, that comes that tries to take away our will to live. You know, David, King David from the Old Testament, he, he, he endured a lot of hardship, a lot of battles, a lot of people coming against him. Uh, he made this statement in Psalm 118, 17, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. If you're in a real bad situation, that might want to be one of your verses. You might want to put that in your mouth and just declare, even if it's a very quiet, weak voice, like you've been, you've been, battle, you've been battling, you've been hit so many times. Let it come up from within. I will not die. I will live and declare the works of the Lord. What's the work of the Lord? He sustained me. He healed me. He restored my life. Come on. You're going to declare the works of the Lord. Say it out loud. Say, I will live. I will not die. I will declare the works of the Lord. Again, now the battle then, this battle we're talking about is to get us to doubt. It's to get us in a position where we are questioning, where we're wavering at the promises of God, questioning the reality of God's faithfulness. But we should understand, even though we have at times been unfaithful in certain areas, God has never been unfaithful. The integrity of his word is sufficient to give us absolute certainty of an outcome. If he said it, he will do it. 2 Timothy 2.13 reads, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God will always remain faithful. Praise God. Now, now, turn over with me, if you would, to another passage in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. 
Matt, if you know him well. (laughs) And I want to read a, a, a very famous biblical account about Peter, Simon Bar-Jonah, right? Uh, Peter had an event that is, he, he's widely known for it in a, both a good and a negative way. Started good, ended bad. <laughs> uh, where Jesus was walking on the water. For, uh, Matthew 14, 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But Jesus immediately spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Modern day, he said, chill, guys. It's me. (laughs) Chill. Stop with the, the crying about ghosts and stuff. It's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And in this event, Jesus reveals to us what little faith looks like. Little faith is doubting faith. It goes from believing to questioning. It goes from confidence to uncertainty. It's back and forth from believing to doubting. The word doubt here means to waver. So looking at the waves, starting to waver. He's emulating his vision. I see waves. Oh, no. And he begins to waver. Uh, wavering is going back and forth between two beliefs. Okay. How are we going to win this fight? By not going back and forth. By not being strong in faith one minute, questioning, doubting, wavering the next minute. All right. It's, it's called believing in the Lord, believing in his word, and then next minute believing in the waves. I believe your word, come. And I'm walking on water. Uh, now I'm not believing your word, come and walk on the water anymore. Now I'm believing waves override your word. I mean, it's very illogical. Often unbelief is illogical. Because what in the world do waves have to do with water walking? Are you saying, Peter, that if the water was calm, water walking would be easy? It's irrelevant. It's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't add up. You can't walk on water without the power of God in calm water or boisterous you know, wind and waves and It doesn't matter. But the point is, is his focus was shifted. He was no longer looking at Jesus. Now he was looking at the waves. And when you get your eyes off of Jesus or off of the promise, we could say off of God's word, that's when we enter into this uncertainty area. And what does that cause? Literally, it causes you to sink if you're walking on water. Figuratively, it causes you to sink in life. It, it, It will sink 
our healing, our answer to prayer. It'll seek, it'll sink whatever we're trying to accomplish uh, with the Lord's help in our lives. Praise God. It's healing versus your symptoms. I'm looking at the healing, I'm looking at my symptoms. It's God's provision. I'm looking at his problems, looking at his provision versus looking at potential lack or looking at a bank account. It is, it is looking at the joy of the Lord. It is my strength, his promise regarding that. Or it's looking at I feel down. I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. And it's that back and forth. All of us deal with this. Okay. If you say that's me, you describe me to a T. Listen, we can relate all of us can connect to that because we've all done that before. But the admonition of the Lord is if you're going to win this fight, you, you must learn to focus. Come on. Praise God. So there was a, uh, another, another famous account in the scriptures in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah. In his day, it was, Israel was doing really bad. Ahab was king. Ahab was a bad dude, and he had a bad wife, bad, bad Ahab, bad, bad Jezebel. And the country was going awry. They weren't serving God. So many people were serving these fake gods like Baal, okay? And, they, and Baal had all these supposed prophets. And, uh, and Elijah called him out one day and said, let's meet Mount Carmel. Let's go. Let's have head-to-head. The showdown was there. And he, of course, he challenged them. We're going to build two altars. We're going to do a sacrifice. You're going to call on your God. I'm going to call on my God. The one who answers by fire, he's real. Okay, you can read that story and God won. All right. Uh, but something he said in the middle of that was very interesting because it's, it's the same as what Jesus is saying to Peter. It's what we see in other passages. It's 1 Kings 8, 18, 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. <laughs> why didn't they answer him not, why did they answer him not a word? Why didn't they say anything? Uncertainty? They didn't know, they're wavering, they've been entertaining wrong thoughts, they've been listening to these Baal prophets. They've been watching the news too much, right? <laughs> They've been watching all the negative news and they don't know what to believe anymore. Because they hear the doom and gloom and, and all this stuff and they don't know what to, but their confidence in God is shot because they sit there watching these talking heads and all their negativity too much. But the, but the, the thing was, the statement, how long will you falter between two opinions? This is what shoots us in the foot in our faith life is we're going back and forth. This is right, and I don't know, and this is right. And what do we, why do we say, I don't know? Because we see something that doesn't line up. We feel something that isn't consistent with the promise. And so we're trying to decide which one's right. But the, 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 the strong faith fighter, the one who overcomes, is the one who learns how to not look at certain events, circumstances. And they say, no, the Lord is true. Let every man be a liar. Let every symptom be false. Let every circumstance be subject to his word. I'm staying with God and him alone. Amen. It's the one walking to Jesus that maybe, maybe glances through their, you know, your peripherals. And uh, you see the waves all around, but you're saying, no, I'm not even going to look because that doesn't matter. 
I see Jesus and he gave me a word to walk on water. I'll not be distracted by these circumstances, by these waves. They're waving, but I'm not going to wave. Er. Right? That's a necessary skill for winners. That could apply really to a whole bunch of areas in life. The ability to focus. The ability to stay on task. It most certainly applies to the spiritual life of a faith fighter. We learn how to keep our eyes on the Lord. Faith is an absolute position. The person who wins does not have plan B. They do not say, I will believe God's promise, but in case he doesn't come through, then I'll do X. They are not the people who are hoping for the best and planning for the worst. They are not wavering. They're not uncertain. They have real life convictions about truth. And come hell or high water, they're going to do what God says. They're going to believe what He says. And any circumstance that contradicts it is flimsy in their opinion. It, it, it carries no weight. You see, the person who kind of lives for God is certain to fail. Some of you know this. No, this is not to be condemning over this, but you've, you might be there now. You may have been there in your past and you can relate when you kind of serve God. You know, I'll say it sometimes like this. You've got one foot in the pool but you won't jump in. That's okay with pools. You can do whatever you want. I realize cold water is not fun. When it comes to serving the Lord, that doesn't work. You have to, at some point, jump. You have to go all, and that's when you'll find the relationship. Oh, it's wonderful. Wow, it works. The Word of God, wow, it's alive, it's true. Before you were bored. That's because you got one toe in the water. Yeah, I'm just struggling. My prayer life is boring. Church is whatever it is. I read the Bible and I fall asleep. Get, get over that. Every, if you're tired, you might fall asleep. That has no bearing on God. Right. <laughs> if you come in here and sleep, that's on you, not me. <laughs> All right, if it's me, then you pray for me. Uh, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't, actually doesn't mean you're a horrible person either. People are tired sometimes. I don't know why I'm even saying these kind of these things. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to make your walk with God, your faith, your fight, work, it has to be an all-in uh, venture. Yes. Amen. That's, good. That's the way that it works. I'm going to look at the Lord and Him only. How long are you going to falter between two opinions? Decide, dude. <laughs> make up your mind. What are you going to live for? What are you going to believe? Instead of all these backup plans, if this doesn't work, I can try something else. Remove the backup plans. Say, I'm going to put God to the test, so to speak. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let his integrity stand. I'm going to realize that God's reputation is on the line here. I'm not talking about making something up and putting God to a test like that. I'm just going to say this and then he's got to back it up. We're talking about doing stuff based on what he already said. That's right. Acting on his promise. Yes. 
And if he doesn't come through, he looks bad. But his faithfulness requires that he back up his word. So again, <laughs> wavering comes from getting our eyes off Jesus and onto the storm. There's another guy. Let me, let me finish with this guy today. Another guy in the, in the scriptures named Jairus. And in Jesus' time, that's when that was, he had a daughter. He was the uh, ruler of the synagogue. It's described that way. He had a daughter that was uh, sick and close to death. He goes after Jesus. He finds Jesus and says, come lay your hand on her and she will live. And that is total faith, that kind of statement. There's no if and but maybe she will live. Jesus said, I'm coming. Think about the news. He's got bad news. He finds Jesus. He's got good news. And as soon as they start going, some other people come from his house and said, don't bother him anymore. She died. Bad news, good news, bad news, a little bit of a roller coaster. How many know that'll mess with your emotions? And, and, and sometimes we need to put ourselves in the situation. Maybe some of you have been there. Your child is dead. Can you, I can only imagine what he's feeling, what he's thinking, what thoughts are bombarding Jairus' uh, mind right now. The temptation to definitely go back and forth. I was in faith, I believed, and now this happened. What did I do wrong? Imagine all the thoughts that would come to him. Mark 5, 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon, everybody say as soon. As, soon. as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Jesus did this immediately. Immediately he got up in his grill and said, hold on, Jairus, keep your focus right here. Focus on me. This is like, this is like the, the, the boxing trainer with his fighter in the ring just came out of a hard round and maybe he got knocked around or knocked down to the ground and the bell rang just in time, ding, 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 ding. He goes over and sits on the chair. How I many know that trainer has a job to do right now? He's got to keep his fighter present and put some words into him that will tell him, you've got this, you're just gonna do this, watch out for this, but you've got this, you've got him on his heels. He thinks he's got you because he knocked you down, but you, you, you've got him in a good position here. Because if that fighter gives up, if they say, I'm, I'm gone, I'm toast, I can't do this, that next round is gonna be the end of things. But if he can put something in them, in the fighter, it's gonna change the outcome. It's like Miyagi. Saying, focus, Daniel son. Focus, Daniel son. When he's freaking out about getting beat up like he did in all the movies. And he's right at the end, and this is the breaking point. You've got to be strong right now. Focus. Sometimes we need a trainer, a Miyagi, a, a scripture to get in our face and say, right here, right now. This is all that matters, right here, right now. You've got to keep your attention on the Lord, on His promise, on what He said. Because right now, it's a make or break point. With Jairus right here. Say, did it really matter that it was right then? We wouldn't have that verse if that wasn't necessary. If you say, ah, Jesus would have taken care of His daughter anyway, because, you know, He's Jesus. If that's true, then that verse wouldn't have been there. Jesus would have said, Jairus, chill, I got this. It doesn't matter whether you, whether you believe or unbelieve or whether you fear or whether you question. This is all on me. He didn't say that. What Jesus told him 
was a determining condition that would, that would uh, end in the result of his daughter living or dying. And again, real life, you can imagine the thoughts pummeling his mind, the fear, life without her, what did I do wrong, everything going on. And Jesus grabbed him and said, right here, right now. Again, he, as soon as Jesus heard this, Jairus, do not be afraid. Right here, right now. Only believe. Not believe and, not a couple other things. No, only one thing. Got one job. Believe right now. No other thoughts. Don't let anything else come out of your mouth. Only believe. Many of us run into situations like that. It may or may not be life and death, but we get bad news, something goes wrong, and that first response is key. That first response reveals what's really in our hearts. We don't always have Jesus, obviously not in the flesh, or someone else there to grab our attention. They may or may not be there to say, hold on, keep your focus now. If they are, great, but what if no one else is there? Let your first thought be Jesus. Got a bad report, got a test back. Jesus is my healer. Not, I'm gonna think about my life in a wheelchair. I'm gonna prepare, for prepare for being blind. I'm going to start imagining all these things. I'm going to do everything. And then, oh yeah, I should probably call some folks at the church and get them to pray for me. You are so far behind already. I don't mean always it's hopeless, but you're just behind. We've got to train ourselves. When the, when the news comes, right then, I only believe. Amen. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my victory. Jesus is my hope for tomorrow. Stop entertaining divorce. Stop entertaining. We can't do this anymore. It's all ruined. I blew it. Stop, stop, stop right there. Say, Jesus, you're the restorer. You're greater than all. You're, you're mighty in the midst of me. Do not be afraid. Only believe. See, this is, this is us learning how to respond to bad reports. I'd like to say there will never be any, but I can't guarantee you that. So we must learn how to respond. Only believe means not believe and, just believe. Everybody say, I can do that. I have the ability by the grace of God to only believe. I don't have to doubt. I don't have to be afraid. I can choose, I can choose. And, I do, and I do, to believe, to believe, to believe God's word, to believe God. stand on his promise, on his and, not consider, and not consider any other alternative. Any other alternative. He, is he is faithful to his word, to his, to his promise. To his, his, integrity his integrity will cause him, will cause him to, do exactly what he to do exactly what he promised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. This is how the fight of faith works. Can you see why, why, why we can say fighting the good fight of faith does not uh, guarantee no opposition, no attack, but it does guarantee that we overcome. Amen. It does. It does. Some people don't like that. It guarantees victory. 
for each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today for working in here. We thank you for working in our lives. We thank you for being faithful to every promise, faithful to the very covenant that you initiated, faithful to Jesus through whom our salvation uh, exists. You are faithful. Your part of this is solid as a rock. And so, Father, we purpose in our hearts not to be those who waver, not to be those in constant question, faltering between two opinions. But we'll take the word of the Lord as our standard, as our guide, as our rock on which we stand. We'll be hearers of the word and doers thereof as well. And Father, we thank you that everything that we see is subject to change, but you are the same. You remain the same. Your word endures forever. We thank you for working in every life today, giving us something to hang on to and be confident in, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a battle, in the midst of our opposition. You are strong and mighty in our midst. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. For you are a good, good God, a good and faithful Father. We serve you. We worship you. We honor you. Lord, we believe in you. Thank you for doing great things in our midst today. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen, amen.